0: This episode and every episode of the Beer Guys Radio Show is brought to you by Ironmonger Brewing. Visit Ironmonger at their tap room in Marietta, Georgia, or online at ironmongerbrewing.com.
1: Open up a tab, grab a seat, and pour a pint. It's time for the Beer Guys Radio Show. Want free beer? Go to the brewery. Dedicated to the art, science, and enjoyment of craft beer. Yo, what's wrong with the beer we
0: got? Now, here are your hosts, Tim Dennis and Brian Hewitt. And welcome to the Beer Guys Radio Show. We're broadcasting from the Beer Guys Radio Studios in Marietta, Georgia. And this week, we're talking to Doke Beer. I'm Tim Dennis, and with me as always is my good friend and co-host, Brian Hewitt.
2: Hey, Tim. So joining us today, we have Youngwon Lee, the CEO and founder of Doke Beer. We're going to talk about all the typical beer stuff, you know, kimchi, bamboo, fish sauce, the usual. All kidding aside, we're talking about unusual ingredients and Korean-inspired beers. Youngwon, thanks for joining us.
0: Thank you for the invitation today. Absolutely. Uh, We're sipping a bamboo pilsner right now. And Youngwon, I think you said this has uh, some bamboo tea in it that does contain bamboo leaves, correct? Correct. Yes. interesting man it's great it's a very tasty pilsner now is this
2: tea something that you would normally consume like outside of a beer form or is it uh
3: yeah uh, okay. it's, a, it's a pretty common the literally the name is bamboo leaf tea okay. so uh mm-hmm. we make a hot tea out of that but we've done also a couple of a uh, series of pilsner with uh, different types of tea so we've done grand kimen black tea as well as a uh, multi-assam and uh, it's always like really fun to uh, brew that with kind of a pilsner style beers
0: now what is the really smoke is it lapsang souchong is that the smoked tea or I'm no tea a, expert but I Does that familiar? sound familiar? Yeah. Are you are you a tea expert young one? Are you big on teas? <laughs> no, I'm just
3: getting into it and then okay. learning one by yeah. one because I wanted to make beer out of it. Uh, I've been just uh, starting to learn how all these uh, different types of teas are, you know, there are
0: Sure. You know, I love any hobby that has layers to it like that. And tea there's just you know, crazy stuff. I know there's one called Pu-Air. pu okay. And they pack it in, like, bricks or cakes. It's pressed. And there are certain ones that they press them so tight that it becomes like a plaque. And you don't even drink the tea. It just becomes a display, kind of an artwork thing. Oh, okay. But it's, okay. uh, it's kind of neat.
2: I What I really liked, and, and I couldn't tell you if the flavors were good or not because I'm not a big tea person, but there was a blooming tea where they had blossoms that like actually flower yeah. as you I, I wasn't brewing them properly but I really enjoyed looking at it it to me yeah. it tasted a lot like vegetable material but okay. uh, you know I thought it looked cool it was a very interesting thing there used to be chains of tea places in the in the malls yes. so I'd go you in know. there and get something for the wife she loves tea so that was an easy thing I wound up drinking most of
0: them because well, I, I, I liked it <laughs> I've seen where they have like clear glass teapots for those blooming teas you'll put yeah like you'll put the ball in there and it opens up like a flower so it's you get the display the tea everything I, I I had
2: one that had multiple like little flowers chained together, and they floated up towards the top. That's insane! It was very cool. I can't even imagine.
0: Now, see, young one. Again, we tell everyone on this: we do not charge for our consultancy fees when you're <laughs> on the show. So, all the great ideas we share with you, you're free to use. So, you can release a beer in a clear bottle, and when they pop the cap, the fizz blooms the tea. There you go. There. Yeah, get so, get
2: it to blossom. Yeah, yes. they can sit there and look yeah. at it, and then they can yeah. drink it once it's, it's fully blossomed. Be It'll be amazing. Beautiful,
0: crazy. Have you ever had any issues getting any any label approval? I think you'd actually mentioned to us before we came on the air. You're in state right now, so you haven't Mm -hmm. had to mess with that as much. Is that right? Not yet, yes. Okay, well. You know, I know expansion is always a good thing, but you definitely add new layers of challenges to things there. And that's like uh, Brian found out uh, recently. Brian, you found a story about a little uh, kerfuffle in the U.K., right? That's
2: right. Yeah, the U.K. Metro Police have cited Mickler beer for appealing to children with their side-eyes pale ale. Uh, it's got can art that's kind of cartoony, but it's kind of typical you know, Mickler art. All of it's been done by an artist out of Philadelphia named Keith Shore, and they're saying that the artwork features uh, an illustration Of two figures, and they criticized that for having multiple figures being more appealing to children because there are multiple figures, which I'm not sure how that even works. Uh, Okay, and uh, they also compared the size of the 12 ounce can to Coca Cola's, in saying that that also would appeal to children because the cans are the same size. I'm like, you're telling me that two 12 ounce cans being the same size means that both appeal to children equally? It just I don't know what I I don't know what to think about this kind of stuff.
0: Anytime there's someone that wants to go against something like that, they'll find ridiculous reasons like saying, well, this look at this can size. It's just like the size of a can of Coke. And they say these things with a straight face.
2: Oh As yeah! Oh absolutely! There. It's just the, the fact that anything is animated, anything is drawn. It's not hyper realistic. Somehow, children are going to be drawn to it like a magnet. I just, yes. I, I'm, I'm skeptical of that. It looks, it looks memeish to me because it, it's got the two figures and they're, they're kind of giving each side eye glances. You know, I, well, I think that's the whole concept
0: behind it. You know, we can't show a picture on the radio, but no. if you're familiar with Mickler and their art, it's just typical mickler art it doesn't look like it's anything you know it's not like it's hello kitty or or some no kitty nothing. kind of thing that would be appealing no there. cute so.
2: characters uh, one guy's got the typical mickler hat on like yeah a, I, i'm not sure if it's a cowboy hat or what it is but uh i don't see anything that's overtly childish about it other than it's kind of a style that's maybe not super sophisticated in terms of like shading and whatnot yeah. so yeah yeah, I found in looking at it, I think that there's this organization called the Portman Group that's kind of been behind other things, changing labels and things like that, pushing it, and I think they had a hand in pushing this. It turns out that this Portman Group is actually a front for what looks to me like a front for Big Beer and Big Whiskey to beat up on craft without any bad press, so they yeah. can call them out See, without
0: getting their name attached I to it. I don't believe that because they wouldn't do that. They wouldn't is do the thing. that. That's, big Beer is never going to do that. Yeah, the, that the Portman Group members
2: yeah. like Asahi, Bacardi, Budweiser, Diageo, Heineken, Jaegermeister, and Brown Foreman. Those guys would never, never, never do
0: anything like that. So, uh, young Juan, what is the most ridiculous thing you've ever seen in beer as far as restrictions or laws go?
2: Oh, it's a tough question.
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> so many choices. I've been trying to say of the safe, the safe side, so I didn't really get into an issue with that yet. Okay. Yeah. See, he's, he's like, I'm just going to behave, he does play it safe He with doesn't his know so who could good. be listening. Yeah, exactly. So he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to out there because they'll just start rejecting all these labels. Yes, they don't
2: alienate out. the TTB just yet.
0: <laughs> he's like, there's nothing. You know, we see things like ABV laws yes. in certain states. And I think that is hilarious because they'll, again, they bring up the children. It's always about the children. And they'll say that like in Georgia, young one, we have a 14% cap. So we can't go over fourteen percent on any of our beers, and we've talked like Avery makes some really nice high ABV beers. Absolutely, the yeah. brewery. You know, black, yes. it was recently Black Tuesday, black Tuesday. Yeah. so you know that's a big boozy beer, and they're they're nice, but the kids are not going to be getting their booze fix off forty dollar bottles of beer. Absolutely, they're going to yeah. be getting the plastic pints of you know, 80 proof vodka, that's going to be the direction they go.
3: Exactly. Exactly. For a fraction. I mean, I guess one issue that I kind of had is that uh, I have a couple of followers from South Korea that wanted to buy our beer and then just get it themselves. But because uh, the beer label only has California address, the Korean customs wouldn't approve it uh, under the free trade agreement. So they actually have to pay high tax. So if you look at the, my label right now, it actually says made in USA so I had a habit of just putting made in USA in there just in case if there's a country out there, somebody wants to just get it for fun. You know, we have that for uh, so that they could save on tax.
0: Uh, OK, it, it, see, I had no idea. Little that, bitty things like that. And exactly. that's a weird yeah. beer law. Yeah, yeah, yeah it absolutely. Is. I mean, for
3: us, it's made in California. It's like, oh, obviously, this is a USA product, right?
0: <laughs> but exactly. Or
3: country to country. It has to specifically say made in USA.
0: Interesting. See, yeah, <laughs> no, these no little idea. things, you know, along those lines, we have a local brewery here that made beer for the Korean market, Red Brick. The brand was Laughing Skull, and I'm sure you'll know much more about this than we do, Young Youngwon, but I think they said there was some cultural implications with the skull or the skeleton they had on their can and that they had to redo it because it was, it was not approved over there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Does that sound oh, yeah. accurate? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. If you uh,
3: have something like skeleton and or skull, I think I did have that. I used to be a you know spirits importer. So when there was a skull uh, crystal uh, skull vodka brand, in yeah, yeah. I I think they had they had a hard time trying to get uh, get that imported in the
0: free market. Interesting, man. These these little things, you never know. Yeah, exactly. Like the kid eating the oatmeal on the uh, Founders' That's uh, right. breakfast. I think it was Texas. Texas had, had them that,
2: change right? it. I think they removed the kid. You know what? I'm not 100% sure. I haven't looked at the beer in a while, but they may have removed the kid from all the labels across the country at this point, just as I'm a per- sure. precaution, basically, against other people having the same issue. Yeah, so.
0: say we don't want to have any troubles. Yeah. He's eating. You, there's no telling what could be in that bowl that kid's eating.
2: Exactly. Yeah. It's like yeah, it could be oatmeal, but it could
0: also be Black Tuesday. Methamphetamine. Or methamphetamines. You know, you methamphetamines and
2: Black Tuesday yes. together. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yes. Great combination. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. Well, you are listening to the Beer Guys radio show. We do need to take a break, but we'll be back very soon with Doke Beer.
1: Headed to the Battery in Atlanta? Be sure to check out the Terrapin Atlanta Brewery and Tap Room. Whether the Braves are playing at home or on the road, the Terrapin Brewery and Tap Room is always pouring all of our locally brewed Georgia beers like hop Executioner and High and Hazy, while also introducing small batch R&D beers created on our five-barrel pilot system right inside the Braves Stadium. And if you're looking for great food, we've got you covered with Fox Brothers Texas Style Barbecue. Stop by and see us today at the Terrapin Brewery and Tap Room at the Battery Atlanta.
3: The holidays are upon us, and with many in our community struggling with tough times, finding some normalcy can make all the difference. For years, Must Ministries has worked to help our neighbors get back on their feet. The Nest Kennesaw is a proud supporter of Must and would like to invite you to join them on December 10th for their annual toy drive. Every donated toy goes to Must's Toy Shop, where parents can shop for a special gift for their children. Come to the Nest on December 10th, bring a toy, and enjoy great craft beer and a chance to win cool prizes. Your support could mean the world to your neighbors in need.
1: on facebook twitter and instagram now back to the beer guys radio
0: show
2: welcome back to the beer guys radio show remember all episodes are available on demand so if you miss the broadcast get the podcast beer guys radio is available on all popular and unpopular podcasting apps now let's get back to doke
3: beer
0: doke beer with uh young Wan lee young Wan, i have just opened your yuzu blonde here um pouring that so uh can you tell us a little bit about this beer
3: Oh, yeah. So we wanted to make something because there are so many IPAs out there. We wanted to try something that's light refreshing and easy to drink. And uh, especially also appeal to maybe perhaps non-beer drinkers. So uh, we decided to make a series of blondales. And uh, the first one was obviously uh, we decided to go with yuzu, which also is called yuza in Korean. And it gives like sort of a lemony citrus, but also a sort of a sweet note to it. And I thought that would be a perfect fruit. To be used for Blondale,
0: yeah, it's nice. It's not, it's, it's not pleasant. sugary, sweet. You know, correct, fruitiness, little sweetness, little fruitiness. There, it does play very well.
2: It does make me think, I, I like this, and I'm like, I like that that uh, yuzu or yuza quality. Like, I'd like to see that in a saison. I mean, it, it's great here. Oh, yeah. But yeah be wouldn't tasty. that be great in a saison? It would be
0: good with a saison. I'd I'd, have I to say agree. that
2: because I just had a saison earlier. Yes,
0: yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah, sometimes. The wonderful saison. one. the name Doke beer, I know it's derived from, uh, I'm not going to say this right, but it's Doke beer, Dokabi is in Korean, correct? Mm-hmm. Can it's you... called Doke beer. Okay. Yeah. Can you tell us what a dokebi is and how that relates to beer.
3: Yeah. So dokebi uh, so are Korean mythical creatures that likes to hide in the objects during the daytime and comes out at night, hangs out with people, eat, drink, uh, and then, you know, help good people, punish the bad. And, you know, when I was thinking about, you know, creating our brand, I wanted to do something with sort of a Korean uh, heritage that uh, could also represent, you know, who we are. And I thought, you know, don't give you a perfect fit. Uh, In fact, my wife actually gave me the idea to, you know, use a name. And I said, well, since we're a beer company, let's add ER to it. And, you know, surprisingly, it's spelled B-I-E-R, so which is like the German way. But also you could, you know, obviously see it's a beer company. uh, And, you know, they're known to be like the wanderers and, you know, shapeshifters, adventurers. And that's what I wanted to do in terms of being innovative, trying different ingredients. And because we don't have our own brewery, we're gypsy brewing right now. We're sort of the wonders. And, you know, by adding ER, we're just kind of like acting like the Dokebees. And, that makes you know, it, it's a small word play, but, you know, I thought it kind of aligns with uh, what I wanted to do as a company.
0: I did a little research on, on the Dokebees and it says they were uh, mischievous troublemakers. Like they were good That's natured, true. but troublemakers, <laughs> right? Right. Does that fit for uh, beer as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, all right. If a they're shaking up the market, there. you know,
2: they're uh, disruptors, disrupting disruptors the, there. the beer market, then yeah, that makes sense. I was trying to get a sense of, like, are they things that are liked? Are they things that are disliked? Are they just kind of a catch-all, like, if something goes a bit awry, you just blame those Takabis. You know, it's like, oh, they got me again. How do they figure into day-to-day life?
3: Well, because this, like, rooted in, like, folklore, and then there were not much uh, written like stories around it depending on which region you go to they're sometimes revered as a god to you know help you with like you know fishing and whatnot and then there are sometimes they come out at night hang out with people and a lot of times you, you remember hanging out with them but when you wake up in the morning you kind of don't remember their face right so it's kind of you know fun. within you and it's they're in your you know life but they're they kind of disappear
0: that sounds a lot like a night out drinking too. It's like, it I remember. I, I've had yeah, a I remember like, I was with somebody. I don't
2: remember what they look like or the name. Yes. It must have been Dakabi.
0: Well, I was there. Yeah. That's it. That's what you can blame me uh, on now. Yeah. It was not the 14 yeah. stouts. No, not at all. The it 14, was. 14% stouts. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, Young One, what led you to start in a brewery?
3: I got into the alcohol industry when I was 19 years old in South Korea. And in Korea, it's a legal age to drink. And uh, it started with the wine, and then uh, it led to you know spirits. So I ended up being like a wine and spirits importer for brands like Solichinaya, Armand Bruniagas, Ace of Space, Patron, Tito's Vodka, and then I used to run a bottle shop restaurant whatnot. And I had an opportunity to come back to the states to run a brewery, and I really thought it was really fun compared to like you know selling other alcohol products because you know, you could always get consumer feedback and make something new, something innovative. Whereas wine, you harvest, you know, grape, and then you sell it for same product over and over. Whereas beer, I think the industry was very open uh, to trying something new, but also very collaborative and then becoming sort of a one community and helping one another. So that's what I thought was really welcoming. And when I started working and as I worked more, I started experimenting with these Asian ingredients on couple of our beer flavors and it had a really good feedback from the customers so when I started this company I said hey you know when I start Tokyo beer I'm actually going to be more more Asian more original in my own way to represent the beer that I like so you know with that we said uh, we are going to focus being more of an Asian inspired brewery and let's use all these uh, ingredients that was never used in the beer market So we started experimenting with, you know, the bamboo leaves, yuzu, you know, lemongrass, peppercorn, sometimes kimchi, you know, ginger, chili powder. And thankfully, they've been... Pretty good so far, except you know one uh, experiment of the batch that we
0: actually failed. But so far, so good. <laughs> no, you got to back up now, man. We got to know about this one that I failed. I think man. I
2: heard, I heard about this. Okay. Is this the fish sauce one? Was it fish sauce that you used Oyster, Oyster sauce. Oyster That's sauce. That's what it was. Okay, yeah. I was close, and it was a sauce of some kind. <laughs> okay, I went.
0: Right. So fish sauce in the right dose is fantastic uh-huh. in dishes. When I do my cheap fifty nine cent ramen. I add some toasted sesame oil, a little drop of fish sauce in there, and uh, some garlic, and it really brings it to life there. That sounds great to me. But I was at uh, a local pho place, and they had what I thought was sesame oil on the table, and I poured a big spoonful of it and was was going to taste it and, like, sift it out. And fish sauce sipped directly is not delicious
2: not delicious
0: okay it's not you Does don't it want taste to do like shots fish?
2: <laughs> it's like it's pungent very I mean, pungent pung- fish? i
0: don't even know that it was really fishy it's just a very pungent sharp okay. sharp sauce so i'm not a yeah. big cooker so pungent, i don't sharp know salt yeah salty and pungent there so which in small doses is great to add some character to your dish but maybe not to do shots brian probably
2: not shots. oh like you could do it like pickleback though right <laughs> fish Man, sauce back, i just right? don't
0: see i just don't see the point i mean there. it could yeah. be all
2: right you know this could be the next big internet challenge i hope this shows up on tiktok the fish sauce challenge. i hope that a lot of people on tiktok <laughs> do this i won't see it because i'm not on tiktok i was gonna say
0: that's just because of your hatred of tiktok yeah it's pretty right? much because i hate tiktok and i want them to yeah. do bad
2: things to themselves but you know hey they, you know, that's that's behind the side the point so okay
0: okay <laughs> fair enough fair enough right now you are in california you're based out of the bay area correct Mm -hmm. You started as a pop-up, is that right?
3: Yeah. So, you know, I knew that uh, starting a brewery would be very capital intensive. And what I wanted to do is that, you know, build kind of a community and like the Tokyo Bees were like, we want to wander around. So we started with the idea of uh, contract brewing, gypsy brewing. So me and my team, our brewer, we decided to come out with our own recipes and reach out to local breweries with extra capacity. That way it's a win-win for everyone. And also we get to kind of experiment with all different types of ingredients and flavors.
0: That's awesome. That's fun.
2: The pandemic happened and the, the pop-up tap room had to close. Were you, are you still planning on uh, having a permanent location or are you going to stick with the whole contracting slash gypsy brewing thing?
3: Uh, I think we will try both. So we actually opened up Last year, February 7th, that was a first day of San Francisco beer week, and then the whole pandemic happened. And what I did is that with this sort of Asian inspired beer, as well as I did Korean tapas for the food, because, you know, I realized going to all these breweries, it's always pizza and burger. And I was like, well, let me just do some Korean food. And I think that's even going to be more interesting for a lot of uh, customers. But because of pandemic, we decided to pull out from the taproom and then just focus on beer distribution. But now I'm actually getting ready. I just had a meeting with a, a spot today, uh, you know, for a possible brew pub. That'd be cool. Very That'd cool. be fun. Yeah,
2: I got to say that I love the idea of Korean tapas just because I, d- I don't know Korean food that well. But if I wanted to be introduced to a new type of food, especially with very unique flavors, I think the tapas is the best way to do it. It's like a food flight, you know, like a beer flight, food
0: flight. I love tapas because, it, like you said, it's like a food flight. Look, a 32-ounce porterhouse is impressive to look at. Give me two ounces of steak and two ounces of this, and two, I'm, I'm much happier. But exactly. We're going to talk some about those Korean topics, but in just a couple of minutes, Brian. You're listening to the Beer Guys Radio Show. We do need to take a break, but we'll be back very soon with more from Doke Beer. The best brewmasters are obsessed with creating a high-quality, consistent product. That means reducing mass viscosity for better wort separation and increasing brew house efficiency. Ultra Flow Max from Novozymes helps you achieve both. It is time to brew with enzymes. Increase your brew house efficiency and achieve faster filtration today with Ultra Flow Max from Novozymes. Order a free sample today at www.brewingwithenzymes.com slash beerguysradio.
1: on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Tenable. Tenable coming. Now, back to the Beer Guys Radio Show.
2: Welcome back to the Beer Guys Radio Show. I want to give a quick shout-out to one of our great radio affiliates, WSLA, 1560 AM and 93.9 FM in Slidell, Louisiana. Catch Beer Guys Radio on WSLA every Saturday at 8 AM. Now let's get back to Doke Beer.
0: Doke Beer. Young one. when we went to break, we just chatted about tapas a little bit, like Korean tapas mm-hmm. and beer. Very interesting in Korean, Tapas, what you may have done there. What are some of the dishes you did?
3: We did Korean fried chicken uh, and three different flavors. Okay. So just regular fried, as well as there's a Korean yangnum chicken, which is like sort of um, like a red sauce, but sweet and spicy at the same time. We also did some Korean style short rib, as well as uh, kimchi uh, fried rice or uh, braised kimchi uh, with pork. And what else did we do? Some Korean dessert with uh, black sesame ice cream, oyster flight. But our menu had changed a little bit, uh, you know, before the pandemic and after the pandemic. Because, you know, after the pandemic, we just couldn't do any kind of a fresh seafood or anything like I that. Gotcha. We did some, you know, fish, like raw fish as well. And then I wanted to make it more of a... The reason why I wanted to do tapas is that you go to any Korean restaurant, uh, it's always like big serving meals. And for a non-Korean person to try for the first time, it's little bit challenging i wanted even if you're first time trying out korean food be able to try all different you know style of it so you actually get to learn more about the cuisine as well as have fun
0: with it yeah sure now were your beers that you make were they made to pair with these dishes or were dishes made to pair with the beers yeah
3: i mean especially for you know korean fried chickens you could sure or any beer, uh, but especially yeah. for the bamboo pilsner, that was one of the first beer that we released, and it paired really well. And we actually used the bamboo pilsner for the chicken batter.
2: Okay, yeah, cool, makes sense, good stuff. So Tim was talking about it earlier. I'm going to steal that question: Are craft beers, especially the Western styles, are they popular in Korean culture? Or, or are you looking to drink other things over there?
3: So past five year has been very um, has been changing quite a lot. Before that, it was more of a, you know, height, which is sort of the Budweiser Miller of Korea. And they were very dominant along with soju and Koreans drink a lot. (laughs) Um, And those were the dominant uh, flavors. And there was a lot of um, tax regulations and restriction on, you know, opening up a craft brewery. And the tax was very heavy. But past five years, five, ten years, that has been changing a lot. There was a lot of uh, tax relief and movements favoring the craft beer brewers so now there are about I would say over 150 breweries in Korea okay and you know more brewers are opening up uh, more brewers are getting innovative but I think a lot of them are still basing their beer on an American craft beer style
2: okay I'm curious was there any particular reason why the taxes were so high on on beer production in Korea is it just uh, non-traditional I guess
3: No, it was uh, more to do with like a historical thing, you know. Like here, a lot of our regulation may sound stupid, but some of them might be from prohibition era, right? Sure, yes, Uh absolutely. And uh, some of that for alcohol is uh, during like the Korean War. I think uh, Korea didn't really have any, you know, rice or anything like that, so uh, there were a lot of regulation of like using, you know, rice for making soju. So Koreans had to find alternative ingredient to make soju, which is distilled spirit. And I think the beer was similar along that way. And it was favored to be mass produced. The tax was based on your sales price, not based on your volume or by liter. So it was based on value. And in order to open up a brewery, the regulation or the requirement to open up a brewery is that you had to have a huge uh, fermenters. You couldn't start with the small fermenters. So it was favored to mass produced. And you're taxed higher if you actually had more premium product. But recently, I think either two or three years ago, they changed the regulation and they're charging tax based on liters, uh, based on the volume rather than the value of the product. So that actually really opened up a lot of doors for uh, craft brewers to start their own
0: beer company. That's awesome. It's good. It's good to see, you know, around the world when I get to talking to people, I find out that craft beer is breaking out almost everywhere. We've got several uh, Russian followers on Instagram that'll chat, and it's big there. You know, craft beer is big there. Uh, India, we yeah, launched
2: one. Yeah, India is kind of and up I, and coming.
0: I'm forgetting the name of the platform right now, but it's it's similar to, like, iTunes and that for India. Got Ghana, G A A N A, I think, uh, something like that. Sounds along those familiar, lines. yeah. But we had our show launch on there, and they immediately became, like, our fifth or sixth largest source for our podcast downloads, you know? So there's India's... Getting all over the craft beer, man. So everywhere it is, I joined this group on Facebook. It's called Friends of Froth. That is an Indian-based craft beer group. They have their meetups and bottle shares and everything. So beer's out there, man. Craft beer's everywhere.
2: There is a, a huge market there of people that are really like they've got Kingfisher and a few other options that are like that. Hayward's, Hayward's 5, Kingfisher,
0: Kingfisher, and they don't really. Taj Mahal.
2: It, Taj Mahal. Yep. I don't think they they don't have nearly the, the quantity and the variety that we have. And I think there's a lot of interest in that sort of thing there. I thought it was interesting that uh, discovered that Vietnam had a thriving craft beer scene years ago, like way before I would have expected. Really? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. All right. I, I think it's even bigger now. But uh, yeah, it's picking up everywhere so yeah, yeah.
0: young one with your customer base do you see more korean or just you know others everybody uh, do you attract a certain demographic with your beers mm-hmm. i think we're, we kind of appeal to all different
3: demographics right. right now sure so mm-hmm. existing crappier drinkers like you guys you know you find us interesting and kind of unique and you try out for the first time a lot of the past 10 years of that crappier growth has come from, you know, all these uh, consumers trying out new things. Right. And I think we fit really right well into that because, you know, at the end of the day, you're having so many IPAs, right. And just different, similar, but different hops or different combination of it, but nothing unique enough to stand out. And, you know, I think we, uh, where we stand out, we stick out pretty well in that sense. And, you know, we get into our local grocery stores here uh, because, at the end of days, day, there's limitation on how many IPs you could put in on the shelf. Sure. And also as a buyer, as a retailer, you also need to provide more of a diverse portfolio so you could appeal to more consumers. And I think we fall pretty well in there. There are also a lot of Asian-Americans who don't drink craft beer and they get to drink our product for the first time because it's also very interesting for them as well. It's a harder sales for me because okay. yeah. uh, you know, going into Korean grocery store takes me six months to one year. Because oh. it's usually run by a first generation immigrant, uh, elder. They don't know anything about crap beer. It's really expensive because they're used to selling like, you know, kas, you know, acai, uh, gotcha. Sapporo, which okay. is like Asian uh, lager. And we need to be refrigerated and then short shelf life. So <sighs> when they look at it, it's like, oh, do I want to sell it? They get scared and then I don't want to, you know, throw this out and lose money on it. But when they start selling it, they love it because. You know, worthy exclusive crap And unlike what they expected, like a lot of consumers actually come and then try out for the first time. And, you know, after a couple of months, you know, I have one account, they don't even care what I bring. They just say, hey, just get them in there. Yeah. For you. Uh-huh. Just fill it up with whatever you want. That's so, awesome. You know, we actually own that space. <laughs> and I just go in and look at the fridge and, oh, okay, I need to bring five cases. And I just come in, hey, here's a new product. Just enter the barcode. You got to sell this one uh, at this price. Give me the price tag. I put it on and I put everything by myself because he doesn't know anything about beer. And he's like, hey, do your thing. And I love and people are buying it. Hey,
2: it's selling, you know,
3: it works. Yeah. yeah.
2: So I'm curious, which is your most popular beer with your Korean fans? And is that different than the rest of your
3: fan base? Yeah. So uh, Korean people tend to like uh, the Bamboo Pilsner more because it's more light, refreshing. It's and it's somewhat easy stepping stone and upgrade from The lagers, right? Uh, Whereas you go to non Korean accounts, you already have a very developed taste profile and they're more experimental. And especially like for our product, like kimchi sour, you're already used to drinking sour. So you appreciate the fact that we're being different and innovative and you're actually tasting it and it's not that fruit sour anymore is something that's, you know, different and unique on its own. So we have a different product that sells differently
0: depending on what kind of uh, restaurant, what kind of ethnic challenge it it, it is. That's actually kind of the way I expected it. You know, I would think that a Korean may look at it and say kimchi sour, you know, they know kimchi. Yeah. They know their kimchi. Mm -hmm. They're probably, they may not be as ready to jump on board with that.
2: They want to eat it, not drink it. They know their kimchi.
0: (laughs) Us guys man, give us the kimchi sour. I got to get I, that. Yes, man. I have to Absolutely.
2: buy that. I I have to try it. Yes. yes,
0: yes. Well, we need to take another break. You are listening to the Beer Guys radio show. We'll be back very soon with more from Doke Beer. Have you visited Ironmonger Brewing recently? Take a trip and see the newly renovated and spacious tap room, or enjoy the outdoors in their new beer garden with plenty of seating and shade to ease that summer sun. Ironmonger's tap room has a variety of craft beer and hard seltzer on tap with wine and spirits coming soon. Ready for a bit of adventure? Try out axe throwing with Ironmonger's 16 Target range. It's the perfect spot for some quick fun or to host your next party or corporate event. So grab your friends and have some fun today at Ironmonger Brewing.
1: guys on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. What in tarnation? Now, back to the Beer Guys radio show. Welcome back to the Beer Guys
2: Radio Show. If you enjoy the show, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Just go to patreon.com slash guys. Patrons get cool perks like Beer Guys swag and commercial-free episodes. Now let's get back to Doke Beer.
0: Doke Beer. Young Juan, we have opened uh, your milk stout here, and I see some lettering on the front. So what does the lettering on the front of this can say? Uh, it says Hana, which is one. One. Okay. Yeah. And I see below that in English, it says one community. So is there a mission for this beer? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we actually have another label just for the milk stunt, but this
3: one was a special uh, limited edition that we made to support the local uh, nonprofit, Korean nonprofit that actually helps out with other uh, nonprofits here in the Bay Area. So we wanted to make a beer that's dedicated for them and then also donate the proceeds from this beer to
0: that organization. Cool. Oh, that's really cool. And this has, I know you said cardamom, and is it green peppercorns? Uh Uh-huh. So, cool. Is there another
2: variety that doesn't use green peppercorns, like a different kind of peppercorn, or is it all the same?
0: So there's like
3: a green peppercorn, black, and then also a szechuan peppercorn, which has like the reddish color and the more you know, flavors. Yeah.
2: Have you used all of them in the, uh, in the milk stout or just the green? So not
3: yet for this one, green. And then uh, we also have a series of wheat beers that we make. And, you know, some of them has uh, a black or sometimes uh, different peppercorns.
2: So I'm intrigued by that, knowing that there's all the variety of peppercorns. I don't know my peppercorns that well. Why green of the, the variety that's available?
3: Yeah. I mean, uh, for this particular, uh, you know, stout that that's the flavor profile with the cardamom without that would uh, go better together. So that's what you know. The reason why we
0: chose the green peppercorn. There's yeah. also pink peppercorns, Brian. Yeah, yeah. A little fruity. Little, yeah. I've mild, noticed that. Fruity.
2: This is nice. It has a nice little lingering peppery finish. It does. Yeah, it's, it's tasty. It's, it's very enjoyable.
0: Yep. Young Juan, we've talked a lot about uh, the fact that you're Korean inspired, Korean flavors. You know everything that you're bringing to your beer, and uh, topic in craft beer uh, diversity. Just along craft beer, you know, Brian is the poster child for the stereotypical craft beer nerd (laughs) there with his beard, the white dude with the beard. Exactly. Uh, But we're seeing here in Atlanta, we're fairly diverse. I think we may not see as much. I know there's still issues, but we are here, a fairly diverse community in brewing where you are. How diverse is it? And was diversity one of your goals in starting Doke beer?
3: It was not the goal initially, but I think it's becoming more of my mission. You know, when I worked at the previous company, You know, when I go to all these beer festivals, I was like literally the only Asian guy there. Right. Right. (laughs) And I'm skinny. I'm like the one that stands out at at all these beer festival at the booth. And whenever I go to make a beer delivery to all these uh, craft beer tap rooms, as soon as I walk in, everyone's looking at me. Hey, what's this dude doing over here? Right. And I thought I was like, oh. Everyone's looking at me. Let me just grab a beer, and I go to a bar, talk to bartender, and kind of speak about you know our company, right? And everyone's kind of drinking their beer, but with their like ears open to you know my conversation. And everyone would walk out with the four packs. And I thought that was okay. Well, I'm being different, and uh, I'm unique in the space. And let me use that to my advantage. And that mind was growing, you know, idea was growing in me. And when I decide to you know start this, well, actually being who I am, uh, to the most of it, it would make our brand and what I do said not more. So that's what I did because I thought being unique is really important uh, as a brand. And I thought if anyone were to do this concept, who's going to do better? I'll probably do it because I don't see any other Asian guy working in the beer industry. And it's going to be weird for a non-Korean guy to come out with kimchi sour. Right?
0: This is true. <laughs> that just yes. doesn't
3: you know, kind of relate. So, you know, that's what I started. And with the more I kind of work on it, and especially with the, the hate crimes last year, and then the you know right. movements and whatnot, it's becoming more of a mission, right? And I think if the more I can succeed, and then the more uh, our beer goes abroad, and then more famous it is, and I think that would also give I think better influence and more diversity to the industry. And you know, I randomly get people like come to our booth and then come to me and say, "Hey, I wanted to really want to work in the beer industry." And I'm not white. (laughs) I'm Asian. And it's hard for me to really get my foot into that industry. And I would love to, you know, be part of what you're doing. And when I hear that, it really gives me more energy and it gives me more mission. This is not only a business opportunity. I really want to make it happen and actually open up more doors to whoever that wants to work in the industry and give that more diversity and give that more culture to what we do and where we are.
0: That's awesome. And people are great about diversity with food. Like they're going to seek out Korean. There's an Ethiopian joint here that I love, Indian food, you know, all these flavors. But we're just covered up, loaded up with the hazy IPAs, with the the standard beers out there. I love that you're doing this, Young one, because you're taking a beer that I'm familiar with, bringing something new to it. So I have some familiarity. I know a little bit what to expect, but it brings another layer to it for me. And that's was always what was so fun about beer for me, was yeah. new. Mm-hmm. It's new. It's exciting. You, you hang out with your friends and you try something new, you try something new.
2: Beer has increasingly lately become a little bit more about uniformity. Everybody wants the heavily fruited sour and they want the, the hazy IPA. I think part of the attraction earlier on, like you were saying, was uniqueness. We wanted back in the extreme beer days. I'm like we were people were putting peppercorns in triples, you know, Belgian right. triples, that sort of thing, and we were looking for that. I don't see that as much anymore, and i I'd, I'd actually kind of like to see us return to that sort of thing. I think people are playing a little more safe. I have no hate for people going to traditional styles. The lagers love those, too. But I think there's plenty of room for interesting, experimental, new flavors, new people to come into uh, the industry and liven things up.
0: Right. Is there anything you can think of, Young Juan? I think you kind of covered there in in the general sense that craft beer could do to be more welcoming. Uh, Are there any opportunities out there that uh, what can we do? You know, as the typical white dudes with one, 0.0 beards (laughs) 0. 0.0 beards <laughs> 1. over 0. here. So.
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think it was always welcoming to me. Uh, I thought it was like the most welcoming industry and being collaborative and helping one another. We have this beer uh, guild, beer forum, and anyone runs out of you know hop, they put it up. Everyone comes, hey, come here. I'll drop it off, pick it up. And you know, we're always helping each other. So I think it was always welcoming, but I think we were not intentional in terms of being like, okay ethnically diverse and i think a lot of that is actually happening and and i think it's really changing and uh i wish you know i think it's always hard for whether you're minority or not because i also had a staff back in days he was local white and he wanted to really work at a brewery but he never had a chance to work at a brewery and he's like oh you know everyone says i need to have an experience to work at a brewery but how do i make an experience when i cannot even start my job yes and and this is a white guy who just got out of college and he really wanted to work, you know, work at a brewery. And I think just being that open-minded and giving that opportunity and just being fair to everyone, uh, whether it doesn't matter what background you are, what ethnicity you are and where you're from. Right. And I think working in this industry or like the alcohol business long enough is that sometimes it's not the experience, it's the passion. Right. And I think experience is something that you could learn. And then you could have within like three months, six months, and then it's the passion that would actually make the level the same, whether you're a one-year sure. ex- veteran or a three-year. You know, if you have a, w- a more passionate person that started the last six months, that could be far more advanced in your knowledge about the beer or th- about the industry if you have the passion. So you know, I always say it's going to be hard to get in, but always follow your heart and be passionate about it. And if you knock on the door enough, you find your way. And I think uh, we're ready for that
0: now. When Brian and I were homebrewing a lot, one thing we would do, if there was a style that we didn't know or something, we would go to the brewers that we respected here locally and say, hey, can I ask you a question? You know, and we'd ask, well, I want to do this. What do I need to do to make this happen? You know, what I need to do. There was Will Avery, who at the time was a brewer at Burnt Hickory Brewery, actually got to the point I'd walk into the brewery's like, not you again. Leave me alone, man. Not today. I'm like, no, Will. No, I got a question got a for question. you. He's like, you always have a question for me. But we became better home brewers. You yeah, know, we became yeah. better at what we're doing and uh, our constant pestering and learning more about beer. Brian, now we sit around and run our mouths about beer. Exactly. So it's a good time. Like I said, be persistent. Get in there. Brian and I are going to have different perspectives on diversity because of who we are. You know, we haven't been on the other side of some of these things. I tried to, to see that. We've had shows about diversity. We have a diverse friends group in the brewing community here. And I think it's great to see that. You know, bring your unique perspective because these white dudes can only dry hop with so many Hops.
2: We so. can only put so much fruit puree into these Berliners before we, you know, That's we right. run out of ideas. So Where's the?
0: We need more fruits. We yeah, need exactly. new fruits. We need
2: to know about yuzu. We had no yes. idea. We've been yeah. doing the same passion fruit for. Young Wan, what is
0: next for Doke beer?
3: So we want to find our home. So definitely uh, either a uh, taproom or a uh, brew pub, so that we could call it as a home. But also we we want to open up more uh, channels. We uh, want to be available outside of California as well, and that way we could grow fast enough. And also open up more opportunities for, you know, other people to join the team
0: and spread the love. <laughs> Good stuff. Awesome. And if people want to keep up with what's going on, what's the best way for them to do that?
3: Follow our Instagram or uh, come to our website. Enjoy DKB. Easy
0: enough. Thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it thank you yes yes that about wraps it up brian for this episode of the beer guys radio we're taking next week off y'all it is the holiday we're going to enjoy yes thanksgiving with our families we hope that you do as well for more craft beer info follow us online we are beer guys radio on facebook twitter and instagram have a great holiday cheers